Welcome back to Let Me Be Brief. I'm your co-host, Andy Rieger, joined as always by Matt Basinger from Spark. We're in the Let It Fly Media Studios, and today's episode is brought to you by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. A bank who thinks a little differently, they call it the Emprise Way. We have a fantastic guest to go on this episode. We have been laughing more prior to starting. We've tried to start this for the past five minutes, but she keeps cracking the best jokes you've ever heard. None of them are appropriate for this. We have Miss D from the Mag Group Companies. Miss D, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right, Miss D, let's drive right in. What is Mag? What do you do? It's more of what we don't do, but Mag is actually a human being. Uh, it's a really wonderful man that um, has been in business for the majority of his life and very um, compassionate, caring capitalist. Uh, started off in the private sector um, a long time ago. He is a senior citizen, but he started off in the private sector and um, dealt firsthand with corporate issues relating to being a, a black man in the executive suite. Um, although he was very good at what he does and one of the only people in the country that did it at the time and was a senior vice president, he still had to deal with a lot of stuff. Sure. So as soon as he found a window and a door and a uh, exit strategy, he went into business for himself and got into the plastic injection molding business and started to um, make and manufacture things that had plastic involved in them. Mm-hmm. Um, my background is a little bit more different than that. Mine was softer things. He was making things, and I was into the services end of things with uh, real estate development, working in community and economic development, got into oil and gas because that is capitalist at its finest. But um, when we came together, it was uh, because of the pandemic and um, had some real honest conversations and dialogue about, um, you know, the haves are going to be okay the kind of haves are going to be in trouble and the have-nots are going to be in serious trouble. Mm-hmm. And so we strategically placed ourselves in the heart of the troubled beast um, to say, you know, what can we do to make a difference? And so what have you been doing to make a difference? Um, understanding that the environment was going to um, hinge on access to capital, we really decided to focus on essential industries and how you capitalize and grow revenue for those essential industries. So we help organizations get ready for growth scale and in the pandemic's case, survival. So when you reference that, are you referencing that you guys are operating as a quasi early stage lender or you're operating as a, in this particular stream, you're operating as more or less like an aid and an assister in order to help those companies be able to go to banks to be able to get financing? Both. So um, we have three different uh, uh, landscapes of the MAG group of companies. One is the properties, which is the real estate that we own. Um, We understand part of capitalism is being able to collateralize things. So real estate and things with dirt underneath it is really cool. Um, And then we have MAG spaces, which is a safe space to come and talk about your issues, your challenges, your gaps. And then we have MAG ventures, which may participate in helping you solve your problem. That could be in resources such as new business opportunities, changing your technology, you know, to be able to pivot quickly, understanding the dynamics of business. That's a, there are a lot of people that are really good at a craft or a service, but they're piss poor business people. Sure. Right. That's so me. they could yep. be, okay, well, be honest <laughs> with it. That's part of the challenge too, is being honest with yourself, you know? So we help people in an intellectually honest capacity. Some businesses never should have started to begin with. You know, and that's real. 
You know, so we have a lot of authentic conversations and they are based on facts, data, truth, you know, and passion and purpose. So we are a compassionate capitalist in mm -hmm. that um, we believe everybody has a dream, whether your dream should be shared or you should be woke up is the issue. Sure. Which is very different than what a lot of the entrepreneur uh, kind of conversation looks like right now, where it's like, follow your dream, do that thing, take that risk. And, and you all are stepping in and saying, yeah. You know, there's you, you like money matters. Money definitely matters. It's right up there next to air. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> so, so you said that MAG really started because of the mm -hmm. pandemic. Mm -hmm. What has the last 16 months looked like for you all from a growth standpoint? It started with just a, is it just a handful of folks? Like what, what is this like now compared to what it looked like when he started? That's a great question. Well, understanding what a VOCA environment is when there is volatility, uncertainty, right? Complexity you know, of the problems and the answers and ambiguity, ambiguity, you know, well, what does that really mean, right? Um, we had to find that out for ourselves. And even though our uh, business model was based on our personal experiences of success, failures, catastrophic failures, you know, <laughs> um, we had to understand where the mindset of the people that we were going to be impacting was. And not just the mindset of those who need, but those who have and the opportunities that were being created in the chaos. So what we thought would have been a, a very easy, you know, we're here to help, you know, we thought that would be easy to help. It's not easy to help. You know, um, people who really need the help have to know that they need the help. Mm -hmm. And then the help that they need isn't just write me out a check. Sure. You know, if the, if money solved everything, you know, we could we could broker that deal, too, for a fee, of course. But, um, <laughs> you know, if money alone was the solution, there's always been money circulating in the economy. Sure. There's always been banks. There's always been all of that. Well, why do we still have some of the issues that we have if the money has always been here, the dirt has always been here, and the people have always been here? Mm -hmm. You know, what changed? Well, what changed is some lights were turned on. You know, people started asking some difficult questions whether they stuck around for the answer or they gave themselves the answer was a whole different situation. So initially when we started um, Mag Spaces especially, we were, we were in the mid uh, middle of uh, underrepresented, underutilized area. We don't call it blight because blight's a disease and diseases need to be terminated. Hmm. So we call it it's undernourished, okay? Um, and I wasn't so comfortable in the undernourished area at first. You know, I'll be honest with you, we all have our biases. I wasn't racist, I'm black. Well, just because I'm black doesn't mean I'm not racist. There's certain things that I don't appreciate or biases that I have because I don't understand. I don't, there's certain things I just don't understand. So of course I am gonna have a bias against things that I don't understand because sure. it's a little bit too different, it's too out there for me, right? But how I invest my dollars doesn't necessarily have to match what my own personal biases are. So I don't have a problem with racists. I don't have a problem with them at all. Just be who you are in front of the camera and behind the camera and in the boardroom and outside the boardroom because then everybody can find out where they fit and work together with who you fit with, okay? What I have a problem with or what we have a problem with at Max Spaces is not having those authentic conversations so that diversity and inclusion is not just, okay, how many black people do I have in here? How many Mexicans do I have? Where's the women and the men? That to me, I, I want a diversity of people, of humans because we're a diverse planet. But I also want a diversity of strategies I want a diversity of ways that we can answer questions as long as it's kind and respectful and it has a goal of solving the problem, right? And then we also need a diversity of systems. 
when we talk about systemic this, that, or the other thing, that means if you think of a system as a hamster wheel, right? If the system is a hamster wheel and I'm trying to drive a car, why would I go through the hamster wheel to start my car? Doesn't make sense. Or the hamster wheel is now saying, well, I'm going to fix this. You're a hamster wheel. There's one door in and there's one thing that you do. You run on a wheel, right? So if I made the wheel bigger, does that help? If, you know, does that help anything? If I'm a hamster, that may be cool because I may not have a whole lot of options. But if I'm a cat or a dog, first of all, that hamster wheel, you can't make one big enough for me to fit. I'm an elephant, right? So that wheel isn't designed for everybody. Sure. That's what the problem is with some of the systems that we have, right? And so we are angelic disruptors. I'm not going to pick it in front of your house. We ain't going to be out here saying all kinds of nasty things about you. But we are going to poke at your mind. We are going to see if you have a pulse and a heart, right? Because this situation that we're in right now is going to take a different hamster wheel. Sure. If You know, right? Now, if I get rid of the hamster wheel and I say, you know what, let's start with a blank sheet of paper, mm. you can do two things. You can stick a pacifier in my mouth and do something just to shut me up. Say, okay, we did something. Check that box. That's normally in a corporate environment. We get a diversity and inclusion manager. There. We're, we're on track now. Well, what does that mean? What do they do? How, what are their biases? What kind of teeth do they have to enforce any real change? Sure. Right? Then what is change? Right? Change is change. Money. I need some change. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right? That's one part of the change. The other part of the change, when we talk about inclusion, can I be at the table when we're designing the systems or the new wheel mm -hmm. or the new whatever? Include me in that. You know, um, and I don't think you can legislate it. I don't think you can certify it. You know, I am not a fan personally of certification and inclusion programs. You can look at me and see I'm black. Why do I have to give you my birth certificate and taxes and this and that and the other thing to prove that I'm black? And then what does that get me? Right. Why can't I just be good at what I do, have fair and equitable access to all opportunities and be included in the planning discussions? Sure. Sounds easy to me. So um, we wanted to create that environment where nobody felt like they were being beat up. Everybody had accountability. You know, I mean, we've got black-on-black -black crime happening all the time. If I gave black people money to help their businesses and their community, whose responsibility is it when you become better off than what you were to look back? Is that everybody else's responsibility, or do we have joint responsibility about that? So with MAG, we call him Mag. That's his, that's our that's his initials. Yeah, no, sure. Okay. Um, so with Mag being a black man and me being a black female, I don't need a certification for that. Okay. I know how much money we put in and we invested of our own dollars and time and thought processes. I didn't need anybody's permission to do that. And nor can we be fired because we're privately, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So shutting us up is going to be kind of hard. Yeah. Right. So. There are plenty of very, very good examples that fought their way through that are black, yellow, green, whatever, right? There is a certain mindset of change that we want to advocate. And then we also show people that it is you can make money doing well. Sure. Right? So going in, I guess, to mag spaces and how all these things kind of play together, when you're talking about helping groups either in a startup phase or, you know, maybe they're in the startup and they're trying to grow, they need to get out of a hamster wheel and get in a, a different system because that's how you grow your business to other levels. Uh, are we talking about, is it 
a combination of faith-based lending for folks who are starting out and they have a dream or a vision? Or are you really trying to, you know, get into the black and white details of this is what this business can or should make and this is how we go here? Like, how are you evaluating uh, the types of folks that you're going to work with from a financial perspective as opposed to the types of folks you're going to work with with a wisdom and advice perspective? Great question. So um, did I mention we're for-profit? Andy's the great listener, so Andy would have to say. <laughs> Obviously, we read, yeah, yes, okay. right? Everything you said hints at it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're compassionate capitalists. Mm-hmm. There are enough social programs that, you know, can be part of this ecosystem. So when you talk about startup, um, you know, if you need to start a car, there are some components of starting that car. Mm-hmm. You need the keys and you need some gasoline. Sure. And you need a car that works, Right. Um, so the keys are, are, you know, I'm ready to start the business. I'm incorporated. I've made the investments. I've got some skin in the game, mm-hmm. you know, and I have some dollars to invest in myself or I have the situation that I can keep my lights on and feed my babies while I do this. If you don't have those elements, then you need to keep studying and planning and dreaming, right? The thing about dreams is you do that when you sleep, okay? So our ideal client or I, our ideal relationship is woke, Right. So when we say woke, you understand that there is investments that are required that you have to make in yourself. And there's all kinds of levels. You know, we got all kinds of wonderful, nice books about thinking real rich and do all of this other kind of stuff. But at some point in time, somebody has to come up with that change, you know, Mm -hmm. for you to be able to start and enact your business. So that's a very small segment of those that we help. Um, The larger segments are the organizations that, okay, I did all of that. I'm woke. It's not working. What do I do now? That's kind of like our ideal client. And then our ideal relationships that also turn into clients are entities and organizations like, okay, we're in business. We've been doing it this way for 120 years. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in a regulated environment. This is how we do it. I can't change. Well, then we go in and that's where the angelic disruption comes in. You may not be able to change the regulated portion of what you do, but what you do with your profits isn't regulated. Sure. Right? So we love talking to organizations like Emprise Bank and um, other banks that are in that sector. That sector, as great as it is and as wonderful as it is and as nice people as it is, is still one of those hamster wheels. So what can we develop on the side of the hamster wheel? Okay, so we're big advocates of taking 1% of your profits on a day create a fund, right, and help with, uh, help organizations with management assistance, help them with growth plans, help them to be tech enabled, help them, you know, to get the work-life balance that they need and the consultative help and services that you would need, that if you're a fortune, whatever company, you know, you already know I can go to McKinsey, I can go to, you know, Anderson Group or whatever to get those services to have somebody help me think about my strategy while I'm working on it. And most small, our, our, our focus is on um, small and medium enterprises, sure. family-owned groups. You know, um, dad's 70 years old, kids are goof-offs, they don't want the business because they hate what dad does. Well, what does he do? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, the continuity plan, people, believe it or not, actually think they're going to live forever. And the pandemic taught us the need to be resilient, to have plans. You know, there are certain banking rules that say after a certain age, I don't care how good your credit is, you're not signing a 30-year note with me at 92. Do you know what I'm saying? That's a problem. No, not that 92-year-olds don't have a lot to add. But at the same time, if you don't have a good plan about how you're going to fund and finance that next part of your dream or your legacy, Mm -hmm. you know, 
And then the other thing that we're absolutely loving, um, they're the positivity of the chaos. You know, chaos creates creativity, right? Sure. And because of chaotic environments, you'd be surprised how fast you can do something. Mm-hmm. You know, that PP money, PPP money went out so fast, you know, it's not funny. A government did that, yep. you know? I mean, so there are things that we can do if we have to, right? Yep. So now that situation is ending and those are pacifiers, you know? So we deal with hamster wheels and pacifiers, right? So a pacifier is great for a baby. But if you saw a teenager with a pacifier in his mouth, you know, mental health issues, you right. know that, right? <laughs> so that doesn't look right. So we got to quit doing these things that are pacifying communities, pacifying lack, pacifying inequality, you know, and we do a lot of that. We're really good at being a pacifier. So, so as a big part of that, you know, I mean, you described it, which I love because you always hear bricks and mortar and you described it as bricks and sticks, which I thought was great because I'm a great listener. Uh, <laughs> what are some of the bricks and sticks projects that you guys like to work on? Like, what, do you have a specific, like you like to do apartments, you like to do manufacturing, you mm-hmm. like to do restaurant, like what are the bricks and sticks ones that you guys love? So our four pillars are capital, real estate, health related, and technology. Okay. So you need money for all of those, right? Is whiskey health related? Whiskey is definitely health related, but it's, it's, it's also, it would also fall under, you know, a lot of different categories sure. with technology because we need a website to make sure yep. that we're drinking and consuming enough whiskey sure, to yeah. make it make some money. But um, In order for the mental health to be In order for the mental health to, there you go, see? And then to get people off of pacifiers, if it is a situation, then you may need some. But anyway, see, you, we digress. Um, but but what, what we look at, we love real estate, obviously. But bricks and sticks only work if you have something inside of them. It holds people, processes, and products. So if you don't have those, why you got the real estate, right? Now we have a huge looming housing program, you know. And so one of the projects that we're working on right now that we're super excited about, um, there's several uh, universities, one led by an initiative at Penn State, and they are looking at um, uh, energy-efficient, affordable housing. Well, those two things usually don't go together. When you start getting to energy efficiency, that's more of a market rate or high end sort of thing because you can afford those changes. Well, with the price of lumber and you know materials mm-hmm. going up 30%, well, now the delta is about the same, so you might as well go on and invest in that. Well, how do you do that when the rules of banking are you know credit collateral and character, right? I did everything I was supposed to as a hotel manager. I bought a $350,000 house. My job is not here anymore. There's nothing for me to pivot to in the immediate. So now the credit, the collateral that I used and the job that I had for the credit is now in jeopardy. So now how am I supposed to go back and reprogram myself to fit when there's nothing that I did for that? So the banks have to have some really hard conversations. So we're encouraging organizations to say, you know what, that may be the truth. What is a stopgap that we can do in the meantime? Because you can't afford your $350,000 house. I mean, there's right. some, I take the pacifier out of our mouth, say, okay, this is your reality. We're partnering with vocational and technical schools now to say, okay, you can do this, you know, get an accelerated whatever, whatever, whatever in a different industry that's in an essential industry, right? And then you can go back into another type of housing, you know, as time permits, but you're going to be a renter for a second. Sure. Okay. Um, we have literally those type of negotiations and programs going on with folks right now. But back to the reason that we're that the project that we're most excited about, there are so many tentacles to being able to provide safety and affordable housing. 
in underserved areas, rural and urban, we are tying the rural market together with the urban core. So in Allen County, uh, Kansas, there is a several cement manufacturers. There's a glass and window and door manufacturing organization. Um, there's all kinds of pieces and parts that come from the region, right? So if I'm, we're going to invest in and build millions of dollars of housing, why not keep that money circulating in the region, which is true economic development, than ordering them from all over the place, sure. right? Yeah. So now the rural company has economic development. However, in that particular county, they have more jobs than they do people, right? So how do we create a bridge from the people who want jobs that want to go out here? The Indians are livable wage jobs that I mentioned that over $19 an hour. Okay. So then we designed a housing product, a rental housing product that is workforce affordable. So if I only make $19 an hour, I should only be spending 30 to 35% of that on my housing. Sure. So that helped us to create the equation for the housing that works for the people. Sure. Okay. So when we talk about these beautiful solutions that I need more homeowners, yeah, you do. But right now, if I'm talking about homeowners and I just lost my job and I got a new job and I don't own nothing and I'm getting ready to move to the country to get a job, that don't make sense. Yeah. You know, so it's like, okay, let's really, that goes back to the honest vision and conversation about what we really need. Yeah. Okay. That's one example. Miss D. Oh, hang on. I got one more question. <sighs> All right. I, I, I Roll it. So, so what is your guys, in my opinion, what is your number one need? Is it, you know, if you have a, a calling from even today, is your need that you guys are looking for more investors in you guys, more capital partners in you guys, so you guys, because you have such a backlog of things you want to do, or is the money totally fine and you've got plenty of it lined up? And you just need more people to to call you and want to work with you or developers to say, hey, partner with me on this or something. Which direction is really your pain you know, point it, right it's, now? It's, it's a balancing act. Mm -hmm. You know, one without the other doesn't work. You know, we recently got approved as an organization for $35 million of impact investment and debt funding. Right. That's great for us, you know, <laughs> but you got to also balance the risk. So what we what we like to see is privately funded, publicly enhanced. So private dollars being the cake, the equity uh, or, or uh, incentivized programs from the governmental sources being the icing, okay? And those um, incentives can be in the form of all kinds of things, you know? So like we talked about, you know, everybody loves Martin Luther King Day, but Martin Luther King Day with some impact would be like, well, what if every Fortune 500 company took 1% of their profits from that day and put it in Emprise Bank and Emprise Bank set up a, uh, another type of fund that's not regulated for us to be able to pull those dollars for people who, but for equity, couldn't get, you can solve, it's solvable. It's sure. solvable, it's doable, and everybody does a little bit. You know, so those are the sort of things we advocate for. So do we need developers to work with us? Absolutely. One of the things we're very proud about right now is we've assembled a bunch of neighborhood associations in the Kansas City, Missouri market, and we're teaching them development to be mm -hmm. co-developers, right? Not just, okay, I'm the nonprofit and we'll advocate and tell you where the neighborhood needs to be cleaned up and everything. No, mm -hmm. you need circulating dollars to stay in there. Sure. And so when you want home ownership, that's great. But we're coming out of a pandemic, so you're not going to have a whole bunch of people that are going to move in and just all of a sudden be able to buy. We weren't able to buy before the pandemic. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, um, you know, let's get real here. And so we have to deal with what's real right now. It can grow into better, but it needs to be real right now. So what we need, we need our banks 
for example, to have different conversations with us about different creative strategies that not only assist their bottom line, but it also solves a social need and a gap in the funding marketplace. Sure. Right. So that's all. You Wait. said you said one thing. Sorry. I just got to say it. Hey, do it. Uh, you talked about incentives. And one of the things, so we're located in uh, the east side of Kansas City, and we put a ton of money into our property, and pretty rare for someone to do what we were willing to go do. And uh, whenever I talk about incentives, I always say, if it wasn't for incentives, there's no way we could have ever done it. But the problem that I always see in the real estate market nowadays is incentives have such a dirty connotation with them, and people forget about the origin of it, of they are there originally to incentivize people to do things that they otherwise potentially wouldn't do or wouldn't be able to do. It's not that economic enhancement tool. It's in order to do something correctly, you have to put in an excessive amount of money beyond what it would be worth. And when you do that, no one is going to give you money in just a normal basis. And so you have to substitute some of that out. So I appreciate you at least hitting on that because that's something Absolutely. that everyone in society forgets because they hear, oh, you got incentives, you're a terrible person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and that's, see, and that's the authentic conversations that we need to have. But when we talk about incentives where you get a lot of that nose curling and everything is when you have the Cerners of the world that got billions of dollars of incentives, you know, and tax breaks and everything, and their profit margin was already okay, mm -hmm. Right. The Cerners of the world hire a certain type of individual and a certain type of person that is not normally impacted by lack, by vulnerability, that sort of thing. Um, when you look at and follow what they give back, and I'm not even talking about give back. There's a social and corporate responsibility because you make your money off of that vulnerable population staying sick, right? So that's a different conversation. So why did they get? So that's why we have to be involved and we have to have some angelic disruption for a company like yours who is going to employ that guy that's just a little goofy. You know, you're going to, you know, take it that next level. You know what I'm saying? And invest more in your people for training. You know, so there are some job incentive credits that you should have got because you're going to be creating more jobs. Right. And then there's certain things that if you made something green or, you know, had a solar component or an energy alternative component to it, you need to get that as well, too. So we're saying that the invented the incentives need to be levelized so that the small and medium and family owned enterprises get the same bang and benefit that a large corporation is getting. You know, so some of it works some of the times and some of it it doesn't. Garmin is a wonderful example of some things that they're doing in the in the case at Kansas City, Kansas side of the fence. They um, are putting money back and they're helping a school build a tech center so mm. that they can deal with some of their, you know, employment issues and workforce problems and that sort of thing. So did they find a way to do something really cool that solved a problem that's going to benefit them? Absolutely. Sure. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. So though there are ways to put this together where it's responsible and it's inclusive for and about everybody. Because economic development, we rate the health of our company by gross country by gross domestic product. Yep. Why don't we do that in industry sectors? Why don't we do that on a neighborhood basis? Why don't we do that, you know, for just small businesses in the digital space? you know, the digital and marketing space that you guys in took a huge hit, right? So it's a wonderful time, government, to invest in small <laughs> and medium-sized enterprises because the big ones overhead, that's not sustainable anymore. Yep. You know, nobody wants to pay those type of dollars for that same service that we now, because of technology and equipment and everything else, we can produce a podcast here locally with your group, 
right? Whereas if I were to go to a YPP to get that same thing done, it'd be a six-figure engagement. Sure. Not that we wouldn't take the six-figure engagement. Don't get it twisted. We're still capitalists, you know. I'll take a cut. Yeah. I'm in. If this is a promotional podcast, then we definitely deserve a sourcing fee. Yes. Okay. So um, so it, those are solvable problems. There are things that we have that if we had the right people around the table that understood enough about the different tools and things that are out there, oh, my goodness, you know, what would this look like? Would there be more people like you all that are investing in services and things? And so that's what I love about the bank. And their their Emprise Bank is doing a beautiful job curating these conversations. You know, so maybe something that we said upset somebody enough to make them want to call us or upset them enough to want to have a safe conversation that's not in front of news media or whatever like that, you know, where we can talk about disrupting the norm that didn't work. Misty, I gotta, I gotta wrap up. Otherwise, I'm gonna get in huge trouble. Okay. It's called let me be brief, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to ask one more question. Nothing to do with a business. Brief one. A brief one. Mm-hmm. What's the coolest thing you've ever done? Uh huh. Yep. Coolest. Funnest is funnest a word? I don't think it is. I think for this discussion, it can. It be. is. Yeah. And the this best is experience. Uh, yes. Oh. Please. <laughs> well, the answer is not supposed to be family friendly. You're supposed to not say something with family no. as the coolest thing. True. Because we don't. True. Like you said, real conversations. Yeah. You say you jumped off of a cliff one time and dove into uh, an ocean that was 150 feet below. That's the type of stuff we want to hear. Not what's that you, example. If that was your example, you got to pick a new one. <laughs> Probably the, well, it was the coolest thing because I was doing something that I really wanted to do, but I didn't have all the right tools and knowledge base to do it correctly. So that sounds dangerous. Continue. It was, yeah. Yeah. There was a backhoe involved. <laughs> and um, yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was a tree root and they had just started burying power lines. Oh, at awesome. That point. Yeah. yeah. So this is cool. Remember this? <laughs> Um, Remember, funnest was the key it, word. Funnest, yeah, that was, it was fun for me because I'm like, I'm getting these roots out, you know. And it was summer like this, and I was digging a basement and this and that and the other mm. thing. And you know, I'm like, why are the street lights out? Why is, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty the, cool. Of course, I lost my insurance and there went to back home and everything else too. So we but. will we will have more conversations about that afterwards. But thank you so much for spending time with us, um, for sharing some of your stories on behalf of Emprise Bank. Uh, wish you continued success as Mac continues to grow and thank make you. a huge impact here in the Kansas City and abroad. Thank you.